Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. Matthew Miranda, Stacey Patton, as always, coming at you with New York Knicks knowledge. All-Star break is essentially at an end. Knicks will be resuming play Thursday night against the 76ers. In a significant game in the standings. Um, not totally sure. Maybe Stacey has a better sense than I do of who exactly has been cleared to play and who hasn't. Um We'll get into that, get into a couple other things. Um, opening the show by looking back at the first episode of we, that we ever had. I was just talking to Stacy about this. When the Believe Nick podcast began, our very first episode, the hot subject of the day was the Knicks benching Kemba Walker, Tom Thibodeau, that nefarious Cretan, benching hometown hero Kemba Walker. Um, Sometimes it feels like that was very recent, and sometimes that feels already like that was like a long time ago. But it got Stacey to talking about um, Kemba being reminiscent then of Damian Lillard now, and I want to open this Nick broadcast with a question that has nothing to do with the Knicks, but just as an NBA question, and this is a safe space for all the NBA questions. Stacey, are you surprised that Damian Lillard has been closer to Kemba Walker than Damian Lillard this season with the Bucks. Did you think like, oh God, they got Dame. Like, here it comes, because I kind of did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough. He's 33, and he is a, he's a great shooter, but he is a player that's depended a lot more than, you know, others on his speed and athleticism. I mean, that was that's kind of a difference between even a guy like Curry and him. He was a guy who could finish in traffic, he had the speed to get to the rim. That has diminished a little bit. Um, I think his defense has gone from bad to non-existent. Um, and um, it's it's it is tough for those kind of guards. You know, we if we're lucky, one day we'll, you know, it'll be bittersweet at that point. But one day we might see the same thing with Jalen Brunson, right? Um, where the you know once that. Even when you go from 100% to 95% athleticism, it's a big deal. Now, I don't think, I think Lillard is a little bit bigger than Kemba. He's a better shot maker. He still has that range. And he's still, I mean, I don't think the all star starting selection was deserved, but he still was playing like an all star this year. Let's not get it twisted. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think he's much better than Kemba was in the Celtics, but it's reminiscent because, you know, when we got Kemba, the narrative, from Knicks fans and what I was saying, I don't want to say a narrative. It's like, well, he's averaging, I don't know. It was like 20 and five at that point or something uh, pretty efficiently. Mm. And you're like, you know, yeah, he can still play and we don't need him to do that. We just need him to be better than Alfred Payton. Uh Um, And then Boston fans were like, no, if you watch him, yeah, the averages look fine, but he was not that guy anymore. Uh, Yeah. He was averaging 19, five and four on, um, you know, uh, looking it up now, 58 true shooting. So not bad. Those are pretty solid numbers. 
Four All the talk was like, yeah. oh, if he could just stay healthy, because he's so productive if he could just stay healthy. Yeah. And um, but beyond that, like I think that on a you know on a possession to possession basis, there is a clear difference. And his first year in Boston, he made an all-star. So it was also that second year where he really deteriorated, but he only played 43 games. And someone in the strict court brought up that, you know, it it is a little bit like what we're seeing from Dame now. I think Dame is still better than that. Um, he's still giving the Knicks some work when we've played him. Um, but it he there is he's deteriorating. I think that's I think as he gets used to Giannis, if they add another wing defender or they find someone reliable, it can work for sure. But um, you know, this is more of a a clear second tier star than you know for most of his career he's been a fringe top guy, right? I think that was the hope that was like Giannis is your best player because he played both ways, but Dame gives you that end of shot. And, and I think it could still work. They just, I mean, Brooke Lopez has also not been the same on defense. Chris Middleton looks like he's walking around half the time. Um, not, not on an effort thing. Just Chris Middleton doesn't, hasn't looked right for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some young guys that haven't panned out, but they're really unathletic and old. So, it kind of amplifies those in a way that maybe they don't get amplified with other players. So, I'm assuming that if you are ranking the East hierarchy, you have Boston at number one. Who That's do you good. have? Who's your two through five? Um, at full strength. If if yes, let's say healthy, let's say a general full strength. My number two is. Um, I, I think you can guess, Matt, <laughs> because of that um, caveat I just gave. The team that was Michigan. Third. Michigan <laughs> is number two. Uh, the Eagles, perhaps. Well, the Eagles slipped a bit. Maybe not the Eagles at three. Uh, I don't know if you have any soccer. Do you have any soccer leanings? Uh, no, not really. I like Ted Lasso. I like AFC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I follow the World Cup for soccer. Um, unlike most Indian people, I root against England, and beyond that, I like Messi, and um, it's just fun. But um, no, I, I would say the Knicks. Um, they were playing like it. They, I mean, they weren't just winning. They were blowing good teams out. I mean, they didn't have Hardenstein, and look what they did to the Nuggets with Jokic and Murray healthy. The the Sixers, they were full strength against the Sixers, but they won by 36 um, in Philly. And Maxi and Embiid both play. I don't want to hear about DeAnthony Melton being out. Give me a break. Um, they did that against the, the healthy Sixers. They beat the Bucks on Christmas Day without OG. Um, and I think OG solves a lot of the problems that the Bucks and the Celtics gave them. So to me, they're a clear number two. If someone wanted to put Cleveland just because of how great they're playing, and they've also had some injuries, I wouldn't begrudge that. But um, but I saw what the Knicks did to Cleveland last year, and I think both teams got better. But Frankly, I think adding OG Ananobi is a much bigger deal than adding Max Struess and George Niang. And uh, as much as Mitchell Mitchell has improved, especially on defense, I don't want to belittle that. But Brunson has improved too. And I think Randall has improved. Um, And at full strength, this team is a juggernaut. Uh, And then three, three, I'd put Cleveland right now. Um, Four, Milwaukee. And five, Philly. Uh, let me, I, since I went at full health, I had actually put Philly at four above Milwaukee. Let's say, okay, so at full health, you put Philly ahead of Milwaukee? Yeah. 
If there's no Embiid, who do you put after Milwaukee? I'd still probably put Philly. Would you? I mean, the, the competition is what? It's um, Indiana, Miami, Orlando. Yeah. Orlando's really tough and good. I, I like Orlando. Um, I think they're a notch below, but like I think they're a nice team a notch below. But they're a young and inexperienced team. And look, I'm, I'm hyping up Tyrese Maxey here. I think of all of those teams, Maxey and Halliburton are the best players. And I still buy Philly's defense more. Um, I think they're a deep team. Um, I would still put Philly there. Um, and then Miami. I mean, Miami is just, it's the zombie, right? Until, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Zombieland, they're like, shoot them twice, right? I want to use very morbid <laughs> things. But, like, Miami is a team you can never count out. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being the best, I didn't buy them last year. I thought they got hot from three. I think you play that Knicks series again. This is homerism, but you want to talk about that? Fine. You play that Milwaukee series again with Giannis healthy. They're not getting there. And you play the Boston series again, they don't win. Uh, and that sounds like haterism. I'm not trying to take away from what they did, but if I'm looking at predictive value, yeah, I'm less scared of them than certainly Philly or Milwaukee. And if there was a team that I was at least as scared of, it's probably Indiana. Um, that's the closest to me, especially since they got Siakam. But um, mm. without Embiid, I would still put Philly at five. They have, I mean, Maxi's terrific scorer. They have some good defenders. Tobias Harris, I think, can step up in the, the void of Embiid. Um, until proven otherwise, I got to just how dominant they were. Um, I got to say, Philly still. Now, part of the reason I'm asking all these like playoff hypothetical questions is because the Knicks' current health situation for me makes it like borderline impossible to have a sense of what what am I looking for from the team over the last however many games are left. Um, how many well, games are left? They're what? Um, thirty-three like, and nineteen. No, they're they're like thirty-three and twenty-one, I think. Um, so like twenty-eight. 30, games thirty-three left. and twenty-two. Yeah, they they really tank right. again. They got they got um, twenty-seven so games left. Yeah. I have no idea what to what to want from them in that time because I don't know. Like I don't know when Anunoby's going to be back. I don't know. When Randall's gonna be back, I don't know the deal with Randall's. Like, is he back? And like, fingers crossed, it doesn't get triggered again. Need surgery, or like, do they think he's good until the season's or is done? His shot's gonna be off. It's a shooting hand, right, or shooting arm. But it's yeah, uh, like I it's mean, gonna... it's, it's and especially a guy who loves to you know play physical. It he's, is concerning. He's gonna get hit on it. He's gonna get knocked. Hartenstein's a big man dealing with an Achilles issue. Like, there's such tremendous variance in. So I could come back and be fine after the break, or it might get Mitch back too. So right, might it might get him back earlier. Like it, it, there's so many balances and scales. I don't know how to measure that. So I'm I'm more interested in looking at the playoffs as you know, kind of this. Here is a set of teams you might choose from because I think they're going to finish as high as two, and I think they're not going to finish. <sighs> I don't I suppose, think they, they will fall to six, but it's a possibility, which is annoying. But I don't see them below fourth. Okay. Like I say, Boston. I can see a world where Boston's ahead of them, Cleveland's ahead of them, Milwaukee's ahead of them. I can't see Philly getting past them. 
not with Embiid out for as long as he's out. And I don't see allowing as always for like the Miami could go 18 and two because they're Miami. Um, but allowing for that not happening, they're going to finish top four, which means there, there's, you know, there's a lot of teams that they could play in, in the obvious, you know, if you get Philly at four or five and Embiid is there, like, obviously that's going to be difficult, but I'm, I'm really interested specifically in just matchup wise for the Knicks. Again, assuming like general full health, the lower teams, the teams that like, you don't necessarily like think about or worry so much, but Miami, Orlando, Indiana, Atlanta, I would put in there also. I'm not going to say Chicago because I respect us all as decent human beings and we don't need to talk about whatever's going on in Chicago. So Atlanta, obviously, like not a team in a regular season sense that like two shits about Atlanta. They're swimming around the 10th seed. But as we know very well, like Atlanta in a playoff series can be like a different kind of animal. So I'm curious... Miami, Orlando, Indiana, Atlanta. If any of those teams are going up against the Knicks in the first round, like how, how many of them do you think it's possible that team matches up enough with the Knicks where they could win? Because there's um, some I could see. There's some that I could see being like, that could be a problem. There's some teams that like, I'm not really worried about them in a playoff sense. Yeah. Um, let's uh, with Atlanta. Look, for all the Trey Young hype, his series wasn't that great against the Knicks. That was still a defensive series. Then the Hawks played better defense than the Knicks. I don't want to minimize. He hit some big shots. Trey Young isn't like it's a. It is a little bit like Reggie Miller because he had those eight points in eight seconds, but he went one and three against the Knicks in the playoffs. That is like the most overhyped to me. As terrified as we were of, of Reggie Miller, beat the Knicks more than once. What? Reggie Miller beat the Knicks like three times in the playoffs. Yeah, he in beat the series? Knicks. He beat him in '95 when Ewing missed the finger roll. He beat them in '98 when Ewing came back from the broken wrist, and he beat them in 2000 when the Pacers played the Lakers in the finals. Uh, they were three and three. The Knicks and Pacers were like dead even. Okay, um... but you're correct that it feels that way, like. It always felt like, oh, yeah, yeah and that's just okay. You know, they're, you know, you saw Candace Parker wear a choking shirt, right? So, like, you know, it that's just the narrative that's been creative, created. Um, but I'm not, I'm if the Knicks lose to the Hawks, uh, that is almost a heads will roll situation, unless they're like completely destroyed by injuries. That's unacceptable, and uh, I don't think that should happen. Yeah. Um. I think that, um, you know, uh, oh, they won the last two. They won 2000 and um, 2013. So in the 90s, the Knicks won 93 and 94. Pacers won 95, 98. Knicks won 99. So it's 3-2. And then the Pacers won in 2000. So it's 3-3 three, three in that in that era. Yeah. Um, I would um, – so, you know, I don't love the fit with Murray and Trey. Their defense is terrible. Don't think they have a good answer for Randall. And this time they cannot – they're doubling off Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson. They're not doubling off um, Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock or even Derrick Rose. I mean, Brunson is, is on a different level. Um, OG is a much more capable shooter than, than even Bullock was, um, at least for from the corners. So, um, you know, I'm not um, – and, and the, Knicks, the Knicks are just a significantly better team. Indiana gives me some pause because they do have 
that upper echelon talent in Halliburton with a really good number two in Siakam. Uh, Miles Turner at the rim is always an issue, um, and he can stretch the floor a little bit. So if he gets hot, you know, the Knicks have struggled with stretch fives. I think OG changes a lot of things for them. I do think the Knicks are a better team, but they worry me. They probably – Indiana or Orlando are the two teams I'd be most worried about just because – I don't know if Indiana's style is going to translate to the postseason, but I also don't know. That can swing both ways, right? Um, so if the Knicks do turn the ball over or they struggle in the half court and Indiana gets into transition, they can blow a couple games open. That can get a dangerous series. Uh, and Orlando's always just been a tough matchup for the Knicks with their youth and athleticism. They have Suggs, a guy they can throw at Brunson without being exposed and having to cross switch like Cleveland was. Um, Wagner has always given the Knicks trouble uh, against OG. They haven't really played him with OG, but that might change things. But, um, you know, Boncaro plays them tough. Um, they have talent, and they're young and athletic. And that could be the kind of series like last year where everyone was counting the Knicks out before the Cleveland series, and the Knicks' youth and strength and athleticism overwhelmed the Cavs. And the Knicks have gotten a little older. Uh, they added Bogdanovich and Burks for Grimes. They got rid of Quickly and Barrett. Um, they're not an old team. They're still very young, but, you know, especially if Precious gets squeezed out, they're not the most athletic team at this point. So Orlando, so I, if I had to rank them, I would say I'm most worried about Indiana, then Orlando, and, the, and then far behind Atlanta, and then the wild card is my, I just don't know what to expect from Miami. Like, they could play us as tough as they did last year. I think they're really depleted. Um, I really don't think they have an answer for Brunson now, even less than they did last year. Um, Jimmy can always turn it on, but we have a really great wing defender to throw at him. And uh, and as good as Bam is, he can't carry an offense. So I I would be Miami at their best. They're still the most most fearsome team. If I went with an expected outcome, I'd actually slot them behind Indiana and Orlando in terms of how worried I am about them. The only appeal appeal to me of playing Atlanta is like the obvious sense of satisfaction that I would get from watching the Knicks beat them. But Atlanta has like, this is how I feel about like Manchester United as a city fan. Like Atlanta has sunk so low that like it's sad and there's not really even joy to be taken out of it. Like it's one thing to see your neighbor like struggling. It's another thing to see your neighbor like dying in the street. So like I'm not really, Atlanta just would kind of be a waste of time. On a spiritual level, Orlando would be awesome to watch a series against. It would have major 90s, like, it would be physical. You would hate, by game two, you would hate Bancaro and Cole Anthony and Suggs, like, with a fire like you cannot imagine. And you didn't even, you didn't even mention the guys. I, you know, I, I'm a Michigan Wagner. Mo yeah, Wagner, so the Wagner brothers, Wagner. if you ask any Michigan State fan, they will tell you they loathe Mo Wagner. And I I, I love him. He it, seems loathable. But he is he is that kind of guy. And <laughs> his brother his brother's good, so he gets a little bit away with it, but it's the same yeah. kind of chippiness, some of the, you know, I don't I like cheap stuff, you know, like shit talking and all of that, like playing with that kind of edge that if they're on your team, you love it. But yeah, if we played a series against them, you'd hate all of them. So yeah. Yeah. I would I would really enjoy seeing that but I, I think the knicks are just i think they're big enough again presuming general health um that's a series where i think you would see a chua play just because he'd be such a good matchup against some of their front court guys and i think the knicks would just be better I think, but i think they're also i think there's not really another team 
I, I don't think Drew Holiday can shut. I, I'm more worried about Suggs against Brunson than Drew Holiday. Like, there isn't really a team that Suggs has Suggs is good. Suggs is good. Orlando may be the only team in the Eastern Conference that really has the answers for the Knicks offensive. Now, granted, if they play conservative or it's too slow, whatever. But can you shut down Randall, Brunson, and DiVincenzo? That is an equation that I think Orlando, of all the teams, may be best equipped to solve because they have Suggs. They have, yeah. Franz is a terrific defender. Bonquero um, is not. But you're asking Randall to do a lot then if that's your really only your good matchup, right? And they have Wendell Carter Jr. They got uh, Jonathan yes. Isaac too. They have Isaac. So they have they have the bodies and the depth and mm-hmm. to, to really cause the Knicks some problems on offense. So in that sense, they are scary. I would not enjoy it as a Nick fan, but it's strictly like in a like in the sense that the, like the scientists who made the A bomb are just like curious enough that they did something, whether it was right or wrong, they wanted to see what would happen. I would love for Orlando to land just like an awesome playmaking guard. They have so You're many nice. Joe Wolsey with like the, the chili taste. Like, they have so many nice front court players. They have so many nice secondary guards, like guards who do like very, like fit a very nice role. Um, if they just had, you know, a beast of a guard, like that would be a really interesting, tough team. Um, and Suggs may be that guy in, in time. I mean, he was shooting the ball really well. I think that's come down a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, and honestly, like Cole Anthony has turned into a very nice player. Like, yeah, he, he has. He's he's making three thirty nine mil for three years. Like when we traded quickly, I was like, damn, like he would be the perfect backup guard to Brunson. That's a really good contract, you know. Yep. He has avenged all the dishonor of Greg. <laughs> Cole is so uh, good. Cole is so good. Uh, Indiana is a team I would not want to play. I think the Knicks would beat them, um, but I would not be happy with that being a matchup because I think I think they're I think in the playoffs they're the kind of team that like if the scoring drops it doesn't really make them any less dangerous because the margin of victory I think tends to shrink and then still the the impact of a the potential impact Brunson has it for the Knicks, but Halliburton has it for the the Pacers. Like having that much of your offense run by somebody that efficient and good at pretty much every part of offense scoring or creating. I, I would push. I would push back on a little a little bit because I think Brunson has shown that he can. I think he can do more. Right when you say every part of offense, you know, you double him, he is efficient there. He can get around doubles or he can pass out. And now the guys have, the Knicks have guys who can make problems out of those doubles. In the mid range, he can get to a shot. He can make tough shots. He can get to the foul line. He can get to the rim. Uh, he can make off balance shots. Whereas with Halliburton, he can get that step back off whenever he wants. In the mid range, he's efficient, but we haven't seen him do that much, right? He has that floater. He doesn't really have Brunson's mid range game. And he does rely on a lot on transition. So, Again, I think you could be right. Like maybe it, it won't matter. If the, but if the game slows down, I need to see it from Halliburton in a way that we haven't seen it. Um, I I feel like that could go seven games, but be seven blowouts. You know what I mean? It could be one of those series where like the Pacers get hot from three, and the Knicks just don't have a chance. And then another game, Pacers are cold. The Knicks are blowing them out on the glass. They can't they have no answer for Brunson. Um, 
you know, I, I think OG versus Halliburton would be a fascinating just one-on-one matchup. Um, mm. But um, but you know, not to interrupt, but like I I do think like in the playoffs I do trust like Brunson's arsenal and the depth of it a little bit more than I trust Halliburton. So I think has some some real game, but it's a little bit more. There's a specific few things that he really shines at, and the other ones we just haven't seen as much. So yeah. And then I feel I really always loved the Friday the 13th stuff. And so I know you're not supposed to ever say this, but I feel comfortable saying that, like, I think with the moves that they've made this year, the Knicks are like a level above Miami. Like last year, I thought they were like a tricky, like a very tricky opponent. And it turned out they were. I think a lot because of DiVincenzo and Ananobi um, specifically. I I just think the Knicks are better than them, but that's what you say before you play the Heat, and, and when they come into the series, yeah, like, and they don't have Hakez or you know Hero, and the next thing you know, they're up three to one, and you don't know what has happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think we should understate how impactful the Knicks' injuries were. Quickly gets hurt midway through the series. For all his struggles, he still had he was plus nine on off, right? So. They lose a defender there against a team that loves to play from the perimeter. Uh, Randall was not 100%, clearly. Um, you know, uh, they had RJ, but now they've replaced those guys. Grimes was hurt, right? They, they, Grimes was hurt for most of that series or playing 10 minutes. And I don't know if we don't want to get, we don't need to get into that. I think he should have been playing more earlier. I think he should have been the primary matchup on Jimmy. But now instead of quickly, a hurt quickly, um, or half the series quickly, uh, a hurt Randall, you get a healthy Randall. Uh, instead of quickly injured and Grimes injured, you get DiVincenzo and and OG. Um, you get an even better version of uh, Brunson. Maybe Precious fits in there, right? Uh, and then you have Bogdanovich and Burks, you know, kind of to provide some more offense. So they just, they were not deep or they didn't have, and they didn't have anything one besides Brunson on offense really to create or do anything. Um, you know, it, it is a it's a significantly better. It's I think even last year, if, if if Grimes is healthy that whole series, I think there's a good chance they win. Um, if Miami isn't quite as hot from three, I think there's a good chance they win. If Randall was seventy five percent of himself, there's a good chance they win, right? So, and now they don't have Gabe Vincent or Caleb. They still have Caleb Martin, but um. They're also not the same team either. Yeah, it's it's more Spolstra than anything else. There's not many coaches that I feel inherently like if you're going up against that coach, like it's automatically a competition. Like like if you put the Miami roster with I don't know Mike Budenholzer, like I think they're beating the Heat. But just the fact that it's Spolstra specifically, like, always is like, he's, there's not many, co- I don't know how many coaches in the league there are like that for me. I think he's the best coach in the league. Yeah. Um, a guy who can, I mean, Popovich is still Popovich. I don't know what he'd look like right now with a, uh, you know, a contending team. Ty Lue's a good coach. But right now, it's fair to say Spolstra is like, you know, Andy Reid, Belichick of the league. So you got OKC, Denver, Clippers, Minnesota. Presumed full health. 
Four, three, two, one. Is who? I feel it. Wait, I'm gonna say it on three because I bet we have the same team for four. It's between the Thunder, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Timberwolves. All right, three, two, one, Minnesota. Timberwolves. Yep, <laughs> that one easy. Why is that? Because they've been the one seed most of the season. They have a lot of. They check a lot of boxes, like awesome. Two-way jumbo wing stud, but not afraid to make big shots. Check are one of their best high-volume, big-time scoring, big man shooting bigs ever. Like a three or four-time defensive player of the year, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame the second he's eligible to. Like they have all these check, check, check. They have nine. Nas Reed is nice. Daniels is nice. Like, nice, nice, nice. They've been in first pretty much all year. I don't think anybody not only takes them seriously, I think everybody would have them four. Is it more what is there that you don't buy, like, that you're not a fan of, or is it something that's missing? I mean, I think it, I think the number one thing is we just haven't, they played, they played well in the playoffs before. They haven't won anything yet. They're a young team. Their best player is 21, um, still growing as a player. Uh, their second best player, in my opinion, so maybe put Gobert there, is a guy who has famously had some not great um, playoff performances. And when he can't just get three, he has to play in the half court. He has had his struggles. I think Cat is an insanely talented player. Absolutely. Um, that fit with Towns and Gobert at the 4-5 is you know, a little bit like, let's see how that works in a seven-game series. They've, they've The results are, at this point, really great. They're a very good team, but it could be like some of those Memphis teams that played really well, but in the playoffs, on, like, it's the thing with experience is it's a little bit of a a self, it's, it's almost a tautology. It's like, we don't trust anyone until they've done it, and that's the same reason the Knicks aren't necessarily getting the benefit of the doubt, but um, you know, if I look at at least two of the teams, and this might be a spoiler as to who my three is, but look at two of the teams you mentioned. I have seen more of their players have proven results in the playoffs than I have from the Timberwolves, and um, and I think there's some tough. Not Jaden McDaniel's is a great defender. He's gonna have to go up some tough tough wings in the in the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the top couple of teams, there is kind of a, you have to show me uh, for me to trust you. And maybe I was unfair in using the Knicks over. Giannis, who has shown it, and Dame, who's shown more than the Knicks have. Maybe there's a double standard here, but I look at the top teams in the West, and um, yeah, and, and the the team, well, I'm going to say three, you can probably guess who it is. I was thinking their best players, but they have. So uh, I'm going to go with the Wolves at four for those reasons. Alright, so then we'll, we'll get your three team. Denver, OKC, Clippers. Yeah, it's three, two, tough. one. Who do you got at number three, two... One, Clippers, Thunder, um, Thunder, Thunder yeah. three. I think a lot of the same criticism apply there. We haven't seen them in these situations. That they have to play Kawhi and Jokic. Um, I think they do have a. The one thing you can say about the Wolves is, Gobert. You can throw him at Jokic. They can throw Cat at Jokic. Obviously, Cat is not a great defender, but they have the size. Oklahoma City has 
you know, they picked up Ismail Yambo as great as Chet Holmgren is, he's probably not ready to bang with Jokic for an entire series. But I put them over the Timberwolves because I just think Shea is a little bit better and I trust them a little bit more in the half court than Ant right now. Um, but super talented team, really fun. They're building a lot. Shooters, length, um, Jalen Williams and Shiglitch Alexander is one of the best backcourts in the NBA, if not the best. Um, but Shea is a true MVP candidate, and I'm not sure Minnesota has something like that. So that's why I put them above them. But, you know, you look at the Clippers and the Nuggets at full strength are led by MVP caliber players who have won championships. Um, and, um, and the Nuggets won it last year. And, and I, you know, so I, I think that in terms of overall talent, and again, it's a similar theme. I haven't seen it from them, but I'm curious if you have the Thunder at three. When I really think about it, I have the Thunder at two. Um, because the Thunder are weird. I was trying to think of like a precedent for, can I think of a team that young that has not even been to the playoffs together? suddenly being like in the NBA finals Uh, because there's teams that were young and got there but like like the magic with Shaq but like they didn't get there their first time they got there their second time and like the thunder didn't either right with the thunder didn't either um I thought back to the like I try to think of like a young so the Rockets back in in the mid 80s when they had Ralph Sampson and Olajuwon were like this young shot but like it was their second, like they had a like a forty eight win year, and then and then they got to a finals. So I'm trying to think of like a team that was just young, and I really can't think of one. The Dwight Howard Magic team, they were not young though. I mean, they had Turk Lewis a veteran, Rashard Lewis was a veteran. Yeah, and I think they must have played. I don't think they got. Did they get straight to the finals? Yeah, I think they, they lost the year before maybe to LeBron or something. Yeah, Cleveland or Boston. Um, yeah, it's, it's just very unprecedented, right? I, I mean, now how much do you buy of that is like it's the team's improving versus needing that experience? You know, Shaq had this quote where he was like, you know, the first time I played Michael Jordan in a playoff series, we got swept, and at the end of the series, he told me like before you – succeed you must first learn to fail and then charles barkley said he didn't ask you if you wanted to be in kazam too um but (laughs) but um it's just um it's tough to parse that out how much of it is just necessary development and okc has taken a a weird route where they've had an mvp caliber player i think for the last couple years but they've benched him or they've been tanking or they've you know done these things or or whatever so it's maybe maybe they've had that development in a way that you don't need from the playoffs, but that is that's why I wouldn't have them over the top two teams, the other two teams. The only the only thing that like when I squint I wonder with them is the MVPs who have won Jokic and Kawhi, like a lot of times there's an arc with those players where they're great and at some point the team makes moves around them that gives them like a good enough cast to win with. <clears throat> I don't feel like Jokic became a winner last year. He was a winner before then, but 
last year was when he had a team that could win around him. I feel like players like Shea a lot can come up and go through five or six years like and not ever really have like a content and they they look for a team that's going to put that around them if Kawhi if you put Kawhi in Shea's place I think you would think like that's a team that could win like a title because it's Kawhi and everything else you would need around like a wing star they have but like you're saying like there is absolute wisdom and like it's it's not it's probably not nothing that we've literally never seen a team do it. Like there's literally no precedent for you've come. I can't think of one. Um, so it has to mean something, but in my head, when I play out Clippers, Thunder, second round game seven, I see like Kawhi walking off the floor, looking sad and Steve Ballmer looking like furious in his little, Kawhi's pretty up. stoic, so I don't know. It's true. I, can't, I, re, I really can't go by Kawhi's reaction. <laughs> um, so Denver is still a consensus then number one, or do you no. have the Clippers I'm, number one for you? I think they're the most talented team. Um, they're well-rounded. They have two elite wing scorers. Um, I think Westbrook has been a pretty good addition for them, especially bringing him off the bench. Again, another experienced playoff vet. Um I mean, with OKC, going back to OKC, it's also, I don't know that they have someone who can guard and beat, or sorry, Jokic. They don't have an answer for Jokic. Um, whereas I think the Nuggets would have some answers on the wing. I think the Clippers could throw Kawhi and Paul George at Shikoch Alexander and Jalen Williams, slow them down. I don't know, and I again, I think the fascinating thing about what we were just talking about, and I don't have an answer, is how much is it, you know, like how much are those playoff failures important to teach you things, right? How much does that experience matter? Um, I would venture it's non-zero. I would also venture to say that there's people who probably overvalue it. Maybe we're overvaluing it right now. Um, but getting back to the Clippers versus the, the Nuggets, um, the Nuggets beat the Clippers in the bubble, this team. It's worth mentioning that, but it was the bubble. Um I think that, as the Knicks showed, if you have a team with athletic wings that can rally uh, and, 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 and close out on Jokic's shooters and you can live with him getting his 30 and 12, but you can force some turnovers, I think you can beat them. And I, I, just, I give the Clippers a little bit more there. And, and I also just think Kawhi Leonard is maybe, I don't know about quietly, but um, like, I, at this point, as great as Jokic is, as great as even LeBron is at this point in a one game. If you need to win one game, you need to win a seven game series. I don't think there's a player like he's not going to win MVP. I would probably take Kawhi Leonard over any other player right now uh, in the NBA. I want you to be honest. How much of that whole analysis you just gave is colored by the fact that Bones Highland is a Clipper and not a Denver Nugget? Because we know <laughs> that the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, well, the, the Clippers sent Bones Highland home yesterday. That's it's sad. The guy's still a great shot maker. I'm, I'm curious to see if he'll find a niche. You know, maybe if he was on a bad team like the Wizards or something, he'd jack up shots, he'd probably have more value. Um, he's had, I guess, the misfortune of being on good teams and his flaws really stick out there. But, um, but no, it, it's the difference to me, and it's crazy to say this when the other team is Denver and they have a generational player of their own. I do think Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the floor. 
Um, I think in the playoffs, as long as he's healthy, that will hold true for every series they play. Do you think your love for Bones Highland would grow or diminish if, like, let's say tomorrow, Jordan Poole, I don't know, he gets, he's sick and he's gone for the, he's a very bad cold and he's out for the season and they give the Wizards like an exception and the Wizards are able to bring in Bones Highland. So Bones Highland assumes the Jordan Poole role in the Washington hierarchy, which we all know is a destined to fail position. If you like to shoot, that's one of the perks of the job. Like you will shoot. Bones Highland likes to shoot. <laughs> would we would we watch it? Because Jordan Poole has not been fun to watch in that role. Do you think it'd be too much, or do you think Bones Highland would be a more satisfactory Jordan Poole? Uh, he's not on Jordan Poole's contract. I think if Jordan Poole was making what <laughs> Bones Highland makes, that's very that, true. Um, he'd be fine. Uh, I think Bones is. It's crazy to say this, but even a little bit more audacious than Jordan Poole in terms of like he will pull up from. There were times when I wanted quickly to be more like Bones as a, as a scorer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think that anymore. Um, I wouldn't even if quickly was still on the Knicks. Um, but uh, I mean, Bones is he's the kind of player where, um, and this is a mark against him. I liked him a lot because he had really interesting. He could shoot from anywhere. He's got great length and speed and ball handling ability. And I said, he has a 6'10 wingspan. And we just drafted quickly. We turned into a really good defender. And I was like, that wingspan, you know, like you can harp on he's skinny. And the difference, of course, is that quickly really committed on that end. I think he had a great coach in Thibodeau um, who brought that out of him. And, and also his instincts are great. And we just haven't seen that from Bones. But uh, to answer your question, I think he he would be a little bit more fun than Jordan Poole, um, but he's also a much worse interior scorer. So he probably it'd probably be similar results, just jacking up shots. But um, you know, I, I I I am you know it is concerning that the the league is adapting. So you know the league knows now that you can put up you can be Jordan Poole, put up numbers on a shitty team. Uh, can Bones establish himself as the guy who can be a backup point guard? on a solid team and not be a train wreck on defense and make good decisions. The fact that he hasn't done it on winning teams is obviously pretty concerning at this point. Um, and he's had good coaches. He's, he's played for Mike Ballone and Ty Luke, two very well-regarded guys. And if those guys, you know, aren't big fans of yours, then you know, it's tough. So if you're blue and orange, Nick fairy godmother came down, and said, Stacy, here's your here's your gift. The Knicks are gonna win the title. Not this year, but next year. They're gonna win the title. Um now, and they're gonna win it led by Jalen Brunson. And you gotta pick one other Nick that you want that you want, like I want him to be there also when they win. Everybody else could potentially be up for grabs. Your fairy godmother will wave her wand and bring in like 10 all-stars, but Brunson's going to stay. And in terms of just who you think would be the most, however you want to define it, most essential, or just I like this guy the most, like I would want to see him stay just because I like him, or practical, like this guy's on the best contract or they're in the best position with him long-term. Like, 
if you could only guarantee you get Brunson and you get one other Nick stays, potentially everyone else is gone, who would be the next Nick that you're like, I got to have that person? Well, in terms of the guy I'd want to see win it and be here, uh, I'm not saying he's the most essential, although he has an argument for that too. Um, it's Julius Randle. Um, that is correct. <laughs> Glad it's the right answer. Ding, ding, On a question with an objectively right answer. No, I mean, we, we've seen it, right? Um, this is the, I mean, everyone gave Mello credit for wanting to, for being the star that wanted to come here. People gave Brunson credit. Randall came here as the consolation prize for the lost summer, you know? Um, and that's what it was called at the time. Right now, Randall might be, <laughs> he's not as good as Kevin Durant, but given everything that came with the Nets signing those two guys, the Knicks have done better off with Randall, right, than the Nets did with Katie and Kyrie. They went as far in the playoffs, and they're in a better position now. And um, and I've been as critical of him as anyone. Um, and I still don't know if the guy's going to be exactly what we think he can be in the playoffs, but he's gone through it all. I mean, he has gone through, since Ewing, the Knicks haven't gone, through, haven't had a player so heavily scrutinized. Melo, you can say, as well, I guess. So Melo, like, that's the kind of – and he's done everything that's been asked of him. Has it been linear? No. Um, but first year he came here, it did not work with Fisdale. That second part of his first year here I think is underrated. But under Matt, uh, under Mike Miller – it's Mike Miller, right? Yeah. The, the, Mike Miller, Randall's second half of that season when they went 17-31 and 31 after Fisdale was fired, which is not great, but, like, it wasn't, you know, the embarrassment that they were before – he he quietly started to to do a lot better, and I think that was kind of the precursor. Then he shot out of his mind for a season um, with a not great shot diet, and it came to, back to earth even as he tried to adjust his shot diet. And then last year he recited, "I'm going to take a lot of threes, and I got Brunson here. Those are going to be good looks." And he, he figured out how to play next to Brunson. Didn't work in the playoffs, and then this year he realized, "Hey, I am Julius Randle. I'm six nine, two fifty, pure muscle." There is no reason I shouldn't be able to get to the rim, especially if I'm playing with Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson, all these guys. Um, so, and and he's, you know, like have his, has been perfect. No, he had the thumbs down. You know, he's he's you know he. But even even like the on the courts. Can you remember the last time Randall got a technical before he got hurt? I think he maybe mm-hmm. had one or two this year, entire year. That used to be something he was in the tops of the league often, right? Mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. he has done everything that's been asked of him. He's not a perfect player. But he's the he he built this. I'm not as a, a perfect person. <laughs> um, and the reason is Randall, right? So, um, <laughs> so like he built this as much as anybody else. So, from as a fan, absolutely. Is he the most indispensable? If you if you are building around Jalen Brunson, there is a strong argument for OG Ananobi just because of how insane he is as a defender and how one of one he is. I think uh, OG has an argument there, and Hartenstein might, but I think you can replace, you can find another rim protector like that. Although I think what Hartenstein does for, especially Randall on offense with his ability to like, I was talking about this earlier with Schwinn, you know, people say Hartenstein can't shoot, right? So that doesn't create space for Randall. But if he gets the ball at the free throw line and no one's around him, he'll take two or three dribbles, post up, and then he has the touch to finish and get like an and one which is something Mitch could not do, right? Which is something a lot of centers can't do. Um, so but I, so in the indispensable category, I think I, OG or Randall would be it for me. And then the best contract on the team, 
besides Brunson, I think it's pretty clearly Dante DiVincenzo, who's playing like a star and makes $10 million a year. But um, for me personally, if you told me they're going to win, the guy I want to see win it and would be just the most happy for is definitely Julius Randle. No, we talked about the West, and, and we talked about the uh, everyone in terms of optimum optimum. Is, is your answer Randall too? But I would imagine it is, right? So. Yeah, it would be Randall. Um, yeah, it would be Randall after Randall. I really like. I've I have loved Evanchenzo since he was in Milwaukee. Like I've always loved that dude. Um, I was thrilled when he went to Golden State. I was. I remember watching him being like, man, I would love for the Knicks to get that. And and I remember being kind of like thinking like the stupid thing to say because like they had quickly, like the, the one that was going to push for like a, another. And I was so happy when they got him. Uh, I just like watching him play. He's so cool. Um, we talked about the West in terms of if everyone's at full strength. We know it's not usually that way. Using your practical like you got to put the mortgage on picking an outcome. If you got to put the mortgage on, I assume we'll throw out Minnesota. Um, who wins the West if you've got to put the mortgage on it happening? In a practice, like you, you, a thousand universes, a thousand results, what do you think is most likely? Yeah, in a thousand universes, I hate to say this, Kawhi gets hurt quite a bit. Um, so. I'm going with the uh, Denver Nuggets. Nice. I, I concur. Um, in a but practice... I think if in a healthy series, in if they, if you can guarantee health, I'm taking. I think the Clippers are the best team. But yeah, the thousand universes and the mortgage. That's that's. Um, I'm taking Jokic. If that fairy Nick Godmother told you, the Knicks are going to win the title in twenty four twenty five. But since they won't win this year, here's the best I can do: pick the team above the pick the Eastern realistic Eastern team. So we'll say Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly, uh, and Miami because zombie. Um, which team would you be least disgusted to see go on to win a, the title? If someone from the East has to win it, who would you be the most okay with them winning a title? It's almost Milwaukee by default. Um, yeah. I like Giannis. Um, I have been a Dame fan for the most part. Sometimes he annoys me. Uh, I think that guy's done kind of a damage to his reputation in the last year from being the guy like I don't run from the grind and then requesting a trade. And um, Not to say that players shouldn't be able to do that and all of that, but it was just you crafted your image around something and now it's not that. Um, but It never goes well. Kevin Durant did the same shit when LeBron... Got all the heat for the decision. Yeah, and I remember Kevin Durant got all this like applause because he tweeted something about it too. I yes, think. he did. And the thing was, he signed an extension that like there was no way he wasn't going to sign the extension. Like it wasn't, it was not apples to apples. But he got all the glory of like, here's the good player. Look, he stays with his team. And I remember being like, "F you!" And like same thing, same thing there with that. Yeah, with with Dame. Um, uh-huh. And with Durant, it was. Probably a little worse because he left in free agency. Dame actually at least got his team some something back. Um, so in terms of the teams, I'd be disgusted with. Um, do I need to explain why Boston would be disgusting to me, or I think that should be pretty self-explanatory? Is Boston the lo- is, are they the last? Are they like your last one? Like 
anyone would but I Boston. Rather see Boston or Miami win. Oh, that's yeah. brutal. Um, I would no. I, I it's it's. I would rather see Miami win. But can I add like one thing? That's probably a lot. Something are going to be unpopular at Knicks Nation. I kind of am happy for Porzingis. Like, if Boston won, yeah, that's the one. With KP. All that's yourself. the one guy I'd be like, all right. And he said the right things, you know. Like, yeah. I don't hate KP, and I, I kind of am happy. Like when we drafted him, I, you know, there are a lot of naysayers. It's kind of been good to see him. That's what, and a lot of it. Let's just be frank. A lot of it was xenophobic. Um, people saw this skinny European kid. I didn't like that. I wasn't the biggest fan of the pick at the time, but like I thought a lot of the reasons for why people were mad about it were, were bullshit. Um, but having said that, it's Boston. So uh, have do not want them to win. Miami's very, very close second in terms of the most disgusting results. Um, and after last year and how much Cleveland fans have tried to discredit Brunson and uh, you know, Mitchell getting into the All-Star game over him, my general disdain for Ohio fans because I don't like Ohio State. Um, Cleveland would also be disgusting to me. Um, so by default, it's um, it's it's Milwaukee. Um, There's the only team I don't really hate. Um, I think they have a pretty good fan base. It's a cool city. Um, I like Giannis. Um, game I, I still like. And... Um, and yeah, and I would probably put Philly below Milwaukee, but uh, you know, Embiid doesn't seem like a bad guy. If Embiid got his ring, after all the criticism he's taken, I wouldn't hate that either. But you know, that doesn't look to be the cards right now. So it, if I had to rank them, it'd be Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland, Miami, Boston, from least disgusting to most. I'm starting to root for Milwaukee, if only because I want. I want to have like the least joyous locker room celebration after and trophy between Doc Rivers and his players. I want it to just be this sullen, like we won, but we didn't like it. Yeah, I don't even know what uh what the comparable is to that. So, yeah, I, I actually don't even mind Doc. Doc Rivers lived in my hometown for a long time. Um, I went to his oh, yeah? when I was a kid. So Doc Rivers and John Starks lived in uh, in my hometown. So they used to host the basketball camp, um, and uh, and I went to it. So I got to meet both of them. Doc Rivers was beloved when he was when he came to the Knicks. He was like beloved guy around the league, and everyone around the Knicks like loved him. And he's a really he likable guy, and he still is. Coach like, or announcer, nothing... he's a good dude. You know, I feel like he gets a lot of. Does he get more more grief than he deserves, or does he get what he deserves? Because he gets a lot of it. They've had some bad failures. I mean, the whole, I mean, I don't know if you follow the whole Reddick conversation. And then I don't think Reddick even responded to Austin Rivers, which is fair because, like, what are you going to say? Like, no, I hate your dad. Fuck him, right? <laughs> Austin Rivers made some good points, though, right? He said his his dad has gotten has been held accountable, but Doc Rivers, I think he's a good coach. I think guys will play for him, but he's made some mistakes in playoff series that have led to blown leads and, and the team's underachieving because he's had a lot of talent under him. Um, you know, um, but um, but I, I think he's a likable guy. He obviously, I mean, all everyone knows the game. It's just, in the playoff series, it's tough. And um, I think his results to this point fairly or unfairly have warranted criticism. 
So, or I guess if I say warranted, have warranted, then I'm saying it's fair. But um, I don't think he's a terrible coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, there are shortcomings. I mean, and the, the margins are so small. You know, like we're going to go through this again. Like last year, I thought Tibbs, a big Tibbs was very rightfully criticized for a lot of things in the playoffs, right? Um, the Cleveland series, he was great, but he didn't go to guard guard screens until game three. He kept trying to, or the, maybe it wasn't him, maybe, but. In game two, they kept screening for the guards with um, with the center, and that's bringing Jared Allen to the ball. And Brunson struggled with that, quickly had no idea what to do there, and they started screening with Josh Hart and R.J. Barrett, and it was much better. Uh, so, you know, and in, in round two, I think Tibbs was the – I think, you know, I, I there are people – I've asked people, like, you know, if you switched Tibbs and Spolstra, who wins that series? I, abs- I mean, actually, I'll ask you this, Matt. If the Knicks had Spolster last year and the Heat had Tibbs, who wins that series? Like you said earlier, like I don't want to underestimate. I think injuries are, are probably more important than anything, even more than coaching. Um, I can't think of a reason to say Thibodeau. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I mean, their offense, I don't know if they would gotten the ball to their shooters. And I think I think guard-guard screens mattered. And I think the fact that, you know, whatever the situation was with Grimes, Hart and RJ played way too many minutes together. That just didn't work. You could see how much attention Brunson was getting, and there was no one to send it out to. It affected Randall, too. Um, they have the pieces to not make that an issue. But, you know, we'll see. Um, but the, the point I'm making is, again, the point is not that Tibbs is a bad coach, but at that level, the margins get so thin. And the reality is Doc Rivers has been coaching in those series for a while because he's coached talented teams um, for most of his career. And your flaws are just magnified at that point, even if you're a good coach. Um, so the, the long and short of it is I think he's a flawed coach. Uh, I think he's a good person. And I think he's probably a better coach than like his biggest haters give him credit for who would come to mind for you? If, if I'm going to assume Spolstra, Popovich are one, one and two in terms of what they've accomplished and what they still seem to have on the ball, who's number three? I think he has an argument over Popovich at this point. Um, it's Ty Lue pretty easily for me. Ty Lue. Nobody says Mike Malone. He has an argument too. He'd probably be four. Um, but Ty Lue, you know, has a ring, very well respected, um, has coached a variety of good teams. If you look at how good the Nuggets have been, I think there is an argument for Malone as well. Stacey, do you know how many square miles the earth is? It, wait, are you saying it's square miles because it's flat? Because then it would be round miles, right? If, so are you, are you secretly a Kyrie fan? Um, <laughs> I know it's 6,400. Let me see if I do this. It's 6,400 kilometers. That would be about 10,000 miles radius. So um, I'm, I did something wrong there for sure. But um, I would say, um, so if that's 10 to the fourth, square it, something on the order of um, 30 million square miles. That can't be right. Oh, no, that's volume. Uh, I fucked it up anyway. <laughs> I'm not gonna get this. <laughs> it's about 200 million square miles. Oh wow! I 
you may or may not know, I'm an avid gem and mineral collector, and I just got a piece of tanzanite, which has like been my dream like for years, like tanzanite. And the reason I like tanzanite so much is that like the draw to it is its rarity. There's only about five square miles on the whole planet where you can find tanzanite. Is it two hundred million square miles and like just this little little bit of tanzanite? And this related to what we were just talking about right before I asked you about how many square miles the Earth was. And my brain is going back. You had been talking about Spolstra. And good Lord. There was a point there. Um, you just have to do some of that division, do, do the math in your own heads a little bit. I cannot remember what the Tanzanite analogy was. Maybe it was the brilliance of Brunson. I don't know. Uh, I can't, can't remember what the connection was there. Um, what team would you least like to match up against? Just like, like all things in a, in a, in a jumble first round you could, or second round, whatever. Like the one team that you're like, again, it could be because you think they're the best team or you think because they're the last team I want to match up with, or they're the last team I want to like risk losing to. Cause that would suck. Like, what, well, what's your, what's your, and let's not reduce it. I don't want to make it a, I don't want to make it all about one thing. You can have a continuum. Is there a continuum of teams that you're just like, please, Lord, for these reasons, not them, like anyone but them? Or conversely, who are you willing to to die by? Yeah, so um, willing is probably Cleveland, because I just think we do match up well with them. Um, In terms of the worst matchups... It's yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go with the boring answers. Um, I a few weeks ago I would have said Denver, but we've played them. We've blown them out two times in a row. Last time was even without Hartenstein and Mitch, obviously. So as good as Jokic is, and as much as they usually kill us, um, I'm not gonna say Denver for that reason. The Clippers scare me with their wings, but we do well on their bigs, and we play them tough. I think it's Boston, yeah. And and also, it fits both because losing to Boston is always unbearable. Um, you know, I think OG can handle Tatum, but you have to deal with Brown. Porzingis always plays well against us, and I think the OG trade helps us against stretch fives, but you know, we haven't seen it in series. Um, they have the wings to kind of cause some problems. They have the wings and the defenders to cause problems for Brunson, and they're the most fucking annoying fan base in the NBA. So um, I think the easy answer is Boston. For me, what about you? I don't want to lose to Cleveland. There's something about, <clears throat> like, I don't want to lose the upper hand to Cleveland. Like, I, I want them. I want, keep, I want them down where they are. I want to keep them where they are. I don't want them to get up at all. Um, I think. Because I think like Milwaukee, I think is old. Like this is this year's probably unless they make some dynamic move that I don't see coming. Like this is probably their best shot at winning. Um, 
Philadelphia, who knows, like going forward with Embiid's health or where he wants to play or not play. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to try to guess anything with Miami. Cleveland's the one that, like, I think I think Mitchell wants out of there, and I want that for him, and I want that for me. I do. I just want him out of there because I want them to suck. But if they get to the finals this year and have a spirited, you know, six-game loss to the Nuggets, maybe Mitchell thinks a little more about staying there, at least staying there a little bit longer. And, like, I just I just want, like, I don't want them, I don't want, I don't know. I, I want them down. I want them staying down. I mean, that's fair. It's also, like, you know, are you more scared of the person who you're trying to catch beating you? Or are you trying more scared of the person that is on your level mm-hmm. getting ahead? Right. Or maybe even behind, I mean, based on last year. So mm-hmm. I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. I would suck to lose to Cleveland. So especially since all of us talk so much shit after last year. So <laughs> I think maybe the, the shit talking has maybe grown a little bit too much in one, in one direction right now. Well, it's the the is, pretty good, man. The, I mean, the first Sam Merrill's is Sam Merrill is not a th- thing I saw coming in the equation, but like that's legit. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how he does against in a playoff series. But absolutely right, and, yeah. Yeah. and it's worth noting the Cavs blew the Knicks out in Game Two, but the Knicks won four one. I'm not gonna. The Knicks were clearly the better team. It was a competitive series, though, right? Those games, the Knicks. The Knicks kind of it, it felt like those kind of a boxing match each time where, you know, the Knicks build a small lead but they can't quite like blow it open. Game three they they blew them out, yeah. But game four and game five it didn't go down to the wire, but it took a lot of every quarter. round was 10-9, 10-9. Yeah, and and maybe not quite that much, but it wasn't like the the Knicks had some clear advantages that they pressed. Bickerstaff didn't make adjustments, and you know it's worth noting like Randall wasn't healthy. The supporting cast besides Barrett didn't play well. But uh, or, and Mitch was just obviously a beast. But um, I mean, I, I am a little worried. Like, if they play as great as Precious has been, if they play Cleveland and Mitch isn't healthy, um, Hartenstein, I think, is capable of outplaying their bigs. But will that be as much of an advantage? And the Knicks have improved in other areas, so maybe it doesn't need to be. But um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely they're the team that's right there. And you know, if the narrative becomes Cleveland has now gone ahead of New York, that would be a little bit discouraging given how much progress we've made. And, and how much, you know, it's been a pretty upward trajectory for tips, right? They, they made the playoffs out of nowhere. Clearly, you know, outkicked their coverage a little bit. Then they take a step back. But then since then, it's been pretty much upward and onward. And that's part of the reason why, like, there's people who say, you know, why do you care so much about getting the three seed instead of the four seed? You have to play at Boston no matter what, right? And for me, it's like there is something it feels like to me about the psychological feeling of, like, every year we're getting a little bit closer, right? So to just lose in the second round again, yeah, you lost to a better team, but it's psychologically it'd feel better to like, we got to that, that Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals, right? So. I've thrown a lot of hypotheticals at you today. I'm going to throw one more at you. Um, let's say your fairy godmother says you're going to get one center healthy for the playoffs. Ahead of Achua. So you're not going to get Mitch and Hartenstein. You can get one. And they're going to be fully healthy. The other one's not going to be available at all. 
Who are you taking? That's a tough one. Uh, I think it has to be Hartenstein, though, just because of how much. Um, I think. I don't think it's. I don't think Randall is like the Randall Mitch thing is as bad as some people make it out to be, but I think he clearly is more comfortable next to Hartenstein. Uh, Randall, even something as basic as Randall has now been looking for the big and the dunker spot more, and he throws all his passes at a million miles per hour. That is tough for Mitch. Uh, Hardenstein has better hands. Hardenstein can gather himself, right? So for the reason I mentioned before, there's a cleaner offensive fit. Um, Hardenstein has actually been, by advanced stats, the best defender in the NBA. Um, he's a more reliable free throw shooter than Mitch. So I, I don't think Hart, I think Hardenstein might be his back as soon as Saturday um, or, or tomorrow. But um, yeah, so I don't think they'll have to choose one. But right now, I think the team is a little bit better with Hardenstein. Can you imagine 12 months ago knowing that you would say, I'd rather have Hartenstein than Robinson? It wouldn't have been that crazy to me, to be honest. I did think Mitch was better last year. Hartenstein the the year, for a while. Maybe yeah. not that long. Maybe not like a year ago. But his first couple of months were rough. They were bad. They it it were looked rough. like a bad signing at one point, right? For $8 million a year. Yeah, I, he a- drove me nuts. He drove me nuts. To fr- Everything was a turnover or like. He got blocked on a dunk, or like, he was killing me. Yeah, he had no lift, and some of the, you know, yep. the passing and all of that that relies on chemistry, which there's no substitute for reps there with your new teammates. But he's turned around, and I would say, as great as Mitch was, arguably at least, I mean, there is an argument that he was the best best player in that Cavs series. Brunson obviously carried the offense. As good as Mitch was, Hartenstein was bodying Jared Allen too, like they were both oh, monsters good, yeah. on the boards. Yep, like Hardenstein's sure. offensive rebounder would probably be get more fanfare if he wasn't on the same team as Mitchell Robinson. So he brings you a lot of the same stuff, like 90% of that rebounding, pretty damn close in terms of shot. They might be equal as rim protectors. Um, and um, and he gives you free throws and a little bit more on juice on offense. So I always thought of him like it's still the case, but like I would have picked Hardenstein also in part for you know, the guy's like never missed a game as a Nick until fairly recently. <coughs> it's a smidge of like Achilles is not a place you want a guy to start having discomfort. But Mitch has also had significant foot and lower body, I think foot stuff, I think twice now the foot um, injuries as well. So that's probably a wash. Um, remarkable. Isaiah Hartenstein has become, and. Isaiah Hardenstein and Dante DiVincenzo are making $18 million a year combined. <laughs> that is pretty insane, right? Add in Brunson and they're making 38. So the three of them together are making less than, like, you know, most star players, um, which is pretty wild. They're making less than KP, I think. Um, I, was thinking this, I was thinking of this yesterday. What do you think? Say he finishes the year and he's like healthy, he's fine. What do you think Hardenstein can get on the market? Um, I would say, I mean, it depends on the next, if they have a really good playoff performance, I could see him getting 20 million even. Yeah. Um, but, um, like four you know, years, I, 80 million from someone. I could see that. And he's still only 26. Um, yeah. I think two teams that should look at him are Oklahoma city and San Antonio. 
Now he's married to a model, so I would imagine that he would prefer to stay in New York, even if there's a takes to take a little bit of a haircut there. Um, uh, are you discounting the Oklahoma City modeling community, Stacey? <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I am. I, I don't know if they have quite the lightning there to go along with the thunder, um, <laughs> but um, but he'd be a great fit next to Chet or Wimby. Like that's who I would target as a big to like as they grow and, and grow into maybe being full time fives. Um, but, um, I would say, I think, I think he'll get it. He'll like the Mitch is making Mitch's contract was four for 60. I think that's a pretty solid baseline. And if he really does well, I think the Knicks probably go to something like four for 72 and then just, they need halfway, something like that. So, but it'll be 15 to $20 million. I I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Remarkable. Just, I mean, I mean, he gives you so much, right? Like, elite defense and versatility in offense. You know, there's shades of guys like Jakob Pertl there, um, but he's got some a little bit more mobility. Um, you know, there's a little bit of Stephen Adams in that. Um, you know, and that Stephen Adams also could have that little flip shot, but Hardenstein's a good free throw shooter. Um, you know, I don't think of Joe Kuhn. I think of Noah when I think of Hardenstein. Yeah, he's like, a lot bigger than Noah, too, but yeah. He is, but in terms of the rarity of like all the things that he can do defensively and rebound and the passing that he can bring in the screen, not interested in scoring, like not really what he's like looking to do. He'll get you some stuff on putbacks, but like, but does all these other things like so, and the IQ and the unselfishness, like a, a rare thing at that position, very different. Yeah, like, in, you know, physiques and specifics, but just in terms of what kind of player they are. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because some of the stuff that Tibbs is, you know, it's funny when he was struggling at the beginning of last year, some of the criticism was of Tibbs as well that like you're not using, you're not playing to his strengths, right? You're asking him to be Mitchell Robinson, but he can do more, but he just, you're only asking him to do those things. Yeah. And then it's almost like when Hartenstein started to get good at those things, then Tibbs was like, all right, now you can do the dribble handoffs, you can do your little pocket passes. <laughs> and it's funny because Tibbs has had a big use like that, and that was Joe Noah. Um, especially mm-hmm. when, when Rose got hurt, I think Noah came in yeah. fifth in MVP voting that one year, and they ran the entire offense through him. Yeah. I don't know that Hardenstein is capable of quite that, but to your point, he has that kind of a skill set. Right? So. I did not realize, and I, I would like to, after the fact, issue a trigger warning to people, but talking about Joe Kim Noah um, and remembering his time as a Nick has put me in a place that I wasn't uh, expecting to go to tonight or looking to go to ever. And if you're there also, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was is. one of the, that was one of the biggest Nick free agent letdowns I can ever recall. Like and it's also because we had a good big, I liked Robin Lopez on my team. I liked um, Robin Lopez so much. And, um, and it, had, I mean, he actually kind of had embraced the triangle stuff a little bit. Um, I didn't really, I didn't get the trade for Rose at that point. Um, and then I was like, all right, well, you feel like you don't need to invest that much in a big, but then you sign Noah, who just really, it, it, uh, well, like you said, we don't need to go back to those places. We are in a much happier time now. It's, it's, it's good enough now that that doesn't hurt anymore. Like, like I, I joke about it being like traumatized, but like, it really doesn't. There's so much like, ah, like when I think of Al Harrington, I just get like a wry smile. Like, oh, 
oh Harrington, you rapscallion of a basketball player. It's not the like, God, those years suck. It's like, yeah, like oh Harrington was a character. When your team is good, man, like a lot of stuff hits different. Yeah. Uh, it's you I mean it's just crazy to think about where we were, right? Just a few years ago. Um going in a playoff ago. series with Julius Randle and Crickets, right? So um, I mean, that's, I don't want to take away from the, the Those guys played hard every night. That that team, those guys deserve credit for what the Knicks are. But just in so much, you know, four years, right? they've gone from laughing stock to a serious team, a really serious team, not just a, a – you know, I was talking about this before as well. Like, the narrative sh- – the first year is like, okay, they're no longer a doormat, right? The first two years, they're no longer a doormat. And then it was like – Last year, the narrative was always, man, they are not fun to play. That's kind of been throughout the Tibbs era, but especially last year, it was like, they're not going to win anything. But man, are they not fun to play. They're going to beat you up. It's, you're you're going you're gonna to be in for 48 minutes of hell. And then this year, it's like, yeah, those things apply, but also they're just really good. And they have two legitimate stars, I would say, at this point. They have uh, defenders around them. They have a third option in DiVincenzo who looks really good. Um, they're deep. They're they're a contender now, you know. Uh, and it's just um, to be on that kind of journey as a fan is always is always a lot of fun, and uh, we've been missing that for a long time. But it's been a blast. So yeah, yeah, it's so good, it's so good, man. Uh, well, that's all for this episode. That may be all for all episodes for the Believe Next podcast. Uh, Keep your eyes out in the future. I think the show is done, but you never know what the future may hold. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on the Strickcord. Follow us writing as a Strickland. Um, yeah. Stacey, anything you want to say? Not. thanks for following. Thanks for listening to us. Um, we will both be still contributing a lot at the Strickland. Um, I host... Pod Strickland with uh, with Schwinnie Poo. Um, if you follow that, uh, Matt. I know you've been doing more mailbag stuff, and as always, follow Matt's recaps. Uh, I've been a particularly fun part of this season um, with the Knicks doing so well. Um, you are not going to find anyone dropping quite the historical allusions and analogies that Matt will. Um, and uh, yeah, and, uh, definitely uh, follow all the great work around there. We'll still be potting also at the Jacobin Sports Show, so you can look yeah, for yeah, me there. Great, great uh, pod, by the way, with with Chris Herring. It was great to hear about uh, all the Michigan stuff too. So he's really so cool. That. Yeah, yeah, and he gave me a, a very good Hitchcock drop of dollars that I was not I was not expecting. Um, but was very grateful to get uh, Chris Herring. Always a cool dude. Uh, if you want to look it up? Check it out. We talked a little bit about the Knicks uh, in that episode. But yeah, thank you you to everyone who has listened and been a part of what we've done. Um, Everybody take care and go next. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.